lace him up. Because it's time for the Sunday Skate. This is the Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEI. A comprehensive look at the bees from deep inside the organization to the ice and beyond. Brought to you by your Boston area Mercedes-Benz dealers, AT&T, Wise Snacks, and Star Market. Now, let's get it going with ESPN's Joe McDonald, Pete Blackburn, and WEI.com's DJ Bean. Venom. We want Venom. Sunday Skate, a three-hour special episode of Sunday Skate uh, post-mortem, as Pete Blackburn put it yesterday on Twitter. Uh, it is Sunday Skate. I'm DJ Bean with Pete Blackburn. Joe McDonald is back in the house after a little uh, two-week, I don't want to say absence, because... Well, we, I was absent. We, you you were absent. I can say that. Yeah. Uh, Matt Loper behind the glass. Uh Yes, three hours today. We get that third hour because you get no postseason hockey. So that's the trade-off. Uh, we want the the calls are already lighting up. That just makes my day. Uh, Joe, to catch you up on Sunday skate, we get calls now. Unbelievable. See, I go away for two weeks, and all of a sudden people start calling. I don't know what it was. If it was the absence of you, if it was just how pissed people had been at the Bruins, there's been a lot to talk about with these guys. Um We've actually, we tried to get quite a lot of guests for this show. <laughs> um, we only went for big guns. We do have one. Andy Brickley will join us in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, but this episode of Sunday Skate basically turned to an episode of brunch because we did, we reached out, uh, we asked for anybody in Bruins management. Got to know there. Uh, Shocker that nobody wanted to talk about this. <laughs> well, 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 they will, but it's, you know, yeah. the annual, hey, Season's over. Everybody gets a day I think off. It, to... not, not the time and not the people they want to talk to. <laughs> yeah. um, and also uh, reached out to uh, Mike Milbury to, to see if he would want to come on because I think that there's, there's an interesting conversation to be had uh, with, with, with that man, and, and he did not respond, so maybe some sort of phone issue. But uh, I can't wait to talk about that one. What, Mike Milbury? Yes. Well, we'll get to that. We're going to get to everything because... We have to talk about a lot of things today. Yes, I mean... The, the, Milbury, the Milbury discussion is an interesting one. Um, we'll definitely get to that. Uh, we'll get to the, to the Claude conversation. We'll get to the Tuca conversation. I guess the way we start off, though, is how did they get here? How did they have a 3-8-1 finish to the season? How did they fall out of a playoff spot for the second year in a row? I can't do the they were in first place however many days ago because they were never in first place. They just they played all their games before everybody else. So, But... They had a playoff spot, and for the second straight season, they they ralphed it away. Well, they went when they were in first place, all right? Quote, unquote. Quote, first yeah. place. So they go, from that point, they go 4-8-2 in the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And of a possible 28 points, yes, they were only able to get 10. And four of the losses were against non-playoff teams. Yes. So down the stretch in the final month of the season, that's what they did. Realistically, when we had this conversation back in January when we first started or whenever our first show was, did we even think that the Bruins were going to sniff the postseason? When in in January you well, said? Well, when we started the show, but the beginning of the season, when we were all writing different stories about what the outcome of this Bruins I season actually, was going to be. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I think the playoffs were a definite possibility. I, I made fun season. of the players, I remember, at the All-Star break. Remember when they came out and they were like, I think a lot of people slept on us and it was like, yeah. dude, you're in like third place in the Atlantic <laughs> division. Relax. Have you seen the Atlantic this year? You all suck. Like, <laughs> calm down. I mean, I think everybody thought this team was 
a bubble team. They thought they were an okay team in an okay division. But they should have made the playoffs. That's good enough to make the playoffs, yeah. Especially this year, looking at how the East shook out. The East was so bad. The East was so bad. The Red Wings have n- no, are not deserving of a playoff spot. What did we say last week, Pete? Remember, everyone was saying going into this week, uh, so let's see, if the Red Wings went out and the Bruins went out and the Flyers went out, uh, how do they need to get the points in regulation? And, uh, and we were like, stop right there. Yeah. Nobody's winning out. All of these teams are bad. And guess what happened? The For the higher spot, which is the third spot in the Atlantic Division, the Red Wings and Bruins both lost two of their three games when trying to clinch a playoff spot. This was, to quote Sergeant Bilko, a ballet recital. And looking at like the, the playoff scenarios that they had in front of them, sure, they were confusing. But really, all you had to do was beat the Red Wings. Get yeah. more points than the Red Wings, who stink. Yeah. And the Bruins couldn't do it. The, the only time the Red Wings looked good for a while and... When you do scoreboard watching and everything, you end up watching quite a bit of these teams. The, the only time the Red Wings had looked good recently at all was in that game against the Flyers. And I remember thinking, well, they're tuckering themselves out. They're going to come down and just be waiting for the Bruins to pummel them. And the Bruins, to their credit, did that. And then, of course, they come out and get destroyed in the season finale. Here's an alarming stat for me. Uh, four times this season, the Bruins gave up four goals in a period. Now, I need to go back to recent seasons to see how often that happened under Claude Julien teams. Claude Julien teams don't allow four goals in a game too often, so I think it would be pretty easy to, to find out how often that happens. But four times in a season, that's alarming. Uh, guess how many times it happened over the final four games of the season? Twice. Twice in the last week, when the Bruins were in must-win mode, they gave up four goals in a period. Last Sunday against the Blackhawks, when they kind of, kind of like yesterday, they they sort of survived the first period. I want to say against the Blackhawks, they were only down one nothing, or no, no, it was actually two nothing at the end of the first period. And then in the the second period, the floodgates totally opened up, and they the game was over by the end of the second period. Last night or yesterday, I should say, the Bruins kind of hold it together in the first period with duct tape. In a really weird way, Jonas, Gustaf- Jonas Gustafsson keeps you in the first period, despite looking pretty bad in the first period. And you come out of it, you're up one nothing, and then second period just absolutely falls apart. Well, here's here's my issue with that: is okay. Two hours before puck drop, you learn that Tukaras cannot play, and Gustafsson's going to be the guy. He comes out in the first period, makes 17 saves. Yes, the Bruins have that one nothing lead. And they come out and they totally fall apart. How about if you're, excuse me, if you're Gustafson, you go into the locker room after the first period and you're like, "All right, I'm doing my job. Let's go." I think that would uh, that would get upwards of twenty. Are you kidding me? No. From your this season, no, um, no, but it's not about the season. It's, I know what it, you're it's, saying. It's given the situation. Yeah, it's I given was, the situation. It that, shouldn't have to be Jonas Gustafsson who goes into the locker room. No, and says, let's think, you're right. When but, when you saw him lead the Bruins out and you realized Tukarask isn't playing, did anyone think the Bruins would allow more than 20 shots on goal in the entire game yesterday? Well, that's the thing. I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be a like a four shots on goal against first yep. period, and you're up one nothing or something like that, and your offensive chances aren't great, but all you're doing basically is limiting everything they can do, and you say. 
All right, push comes to shove. They're going to win a low-scoring game, and they're going to, but they're going to give up absolutely nothing. In the last 33 minutes of Thursday's game against Detroit, the Bruins allowed two shots on net. So that's what I thought we were looking right. at yesterday. In the first 30 minutes of yesterday's <laughs> game, they allowed 29 shots on net. How does that happen? How do, how do you go from being so good in one of the best games of the season, especially defensively, to that? Well, um, I was arguing with my buddy Mike, and he said after the Red Wings game, something to the effect of like, oh, well, how do you explain this? So how do you explain that they can come out and play this way and dominate this team when so many other times they need to show up, they don't show up? And it's like, let's not forget that this isn't a very good team. Very, or, uh, like mediocre teams, pretty bad teams are prone to massive inconsistency. So no one should have expected them to have a repeat performance of what they did on uh, on Thursday. But even mediocre teams can play with urgency. There was that's, no urgency yes. yesterday. That's that that's a good point. And especially in the 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 second period. I mean, offensively, I know that the the story of the second period was the the turnovers and um and the obviously the the four goals against, but where were the, the, the grade-A chances in the second period? I mean, they kind of got them back in the third period, maybe midway through the third period, that you start to sort of see that pushback. And then Claude, the chutzpah on that guy, he pulls the goalie with like nine minutes left, and, and that's sort of it. But where where are those chances in the, the second period? And we'll talk to Andy Brickley about this. I'm interested to pick his brain about it because – a lot of former players you talk to will look at that and they will say that is total that is totally a DNA issue. That is a roster issue, that is a personality issue. And we'll get into the Claude Julian conversation. Um we'll really pick it up in the the next block, six one seven, seven seven nine, seven ninety three seven if you want to hit on Claude or anything else. But that's a that's a team thing. That's a that's a, a guy's thing, that's a, a character thing. Um, we were talking about it the other the other night, Pete, just about how how do you need a coach to motivate you to to score more than one goal to get more than the chances you were getting in the second period? I look at that and it's again two years in a row now. They say they like each other more this season, but I mean there is a there is a lack of balls in serious in a serious way on that team. This isn't high school. These are grown men. They don't need rah-rah speeches when yeah. it's their job to go out there and play in the game 82 when it's a must-win game. Especially like you don't if... need Claude Julian to walk into the room and give a rah-rah speech and send him out He's, there. He said that yesterday. Yeah. First of all, I'm, let's back it up to Thursday where they totally changed the routine, the daily game day routine where they, you don't have a morning skate and Claude doesn't speak in the morning. He waits to talk to the media at night. And his comment on Thursday was... Which, by the way, right... right are you going to say the negativity thing? Yeah, the negativity okay, thing. Okay, so like right but here, he's and used I'm, that, but he's I'm used grabbing that a part before. of my body as I say that, because no. the, the Boston Bruins media is not negative. No, and he's used that in the past. Okay, I want to say it was 2011, I think. I mean, that was part of uh, them going to, uh, to Lake Placid. Yes. Was, you know, we, to get away from the negativity. And it worked, mm-hmm. right? Whether... That message, whether it was right or wrong, that message that Claude used to his players, it worked. And that's what he was trying to do I Thursday. I think going to Lake Placid, though, that, that, that afforded them an opportunity to maybe have a few wobbly pops and get away from everything. <laughs> no, I hope they weren't drinking on Thursday no, morning. No, I don't think they were. But that was, that was his message, kind of like an us-against-them sort right, of thing. Right. He tries it again on Thursday. For whatever reason, it worked. 
Then yesterday it was, I asked a question. I said, we've, you've been in this situation before. Are you the type of coach, given what's going on, to go into that room and give that rah-rah speech? And his response was, I think you were there, his response mm-hmm. was, yep. I hope not. I shouldn't have to go in there and tell these guys that, you know, hey, what's on the line? They understand what's on the line. And then they came out with that effort. So of, Lack thereof. So of the Bruins leaders, I know that uh, Pete, did they on, on camera, did uh, they show Bergeron was doing a lot of talking during, during the, time the, the timeout? Which, by the way... I want to have the Claude Julian conversation. We're we're gonna do it. I want to. I'll critique Claude Julian and things that he's done. I'm not gonna say that he should be fired. Um, I don't if, think he should be fired. If, if that makes us apologists, then whatever. Maybe we just disagree with a dumb take because it's a dumb take. But uh, what did Shaughnessy call it? He called it um, the uh, Preserve Claude Society. The Preserve Claude Society. Uh, we're that that's going to to lead off the the second segment. Trust me, uh, if if you guys want to pull up Dan Shaughnessy's column and, and peruse that, um, because he makes a lot of points that a lot of people It's the fan make. perspective. It's, it's, yeah. He makes a lot of points that the fans are making. Right, and I think that they are pretty easy to to bat down. So we're going to go through through that. But getting to Claude and things that he's actually done wrong, and that's my big thing with a lot of the, the anti-Claude people, is where's the smoking gun? What's the fireable offense? I wrote on WEEI.com that last year was their excuse to push uh, Shirelli out, and they didn't do a good job when Steve Buckley at that press conference kept asking Charlie Jacobs, wait, why did you fire this guy? And Jacobs didn't have anything to say. Charlie Jacobs could have said, because he traded Johnny Boychuk at the beginning of the season for picks and said he was going to get us offensive help, and then he never got us offensive help because he traded Tyler Sagan. He could point to things and say, this is why we fired this guy. Again, a lot of the hockey world didn't agree with that, but there were there was a quote unquote smoking gun with um, with Peter Shirelli. Show me the smoking gun for Julian. Now on on Julian and errors and mistakes that he's made. I was sitting next to Scott McLaughlin during that game yesterday, and we're saying, "All right, they just scored two goals. You're down two one. There, this happened pretty quickly. Are you not going to call a timeout now?" And then they. No timeout, give up a third goal. Might be a good time to call a timeout right now, maybe stop the bleeding. And it takes them scoring four goals in 10 minutes to call a timeout. I think a part of that is because I was sitting there trying to think of, all right, why hasn't he called a timeout? And then quickly you think of, oh, coach's challenge. So there is a situation now, the the landscape has changed this season when when it comes to timeouts because... If they do climb back into it and it becomes a one-goal game and late in the third period there's a, a goal and now you need a challenge, right? So, and what happens if you lose it, you lose your timeout, that sort of thing. So I think by, or it goes the other way, or you win it. So I think maybe that coach's challenge has changed not just Claude's thinking on when to call timeouts, but I think coaches throughout the league have probably that similar mindset. So take that into well, take that yeah, into consideration. Well, it was the fourth goal that that got him into FNLOL mode right. because he <laughs> ends up calling that timeout uh, and they, didn't say anything. Doesn't say anything. Doesn't say yeah. anything on the bench. He was standing back, and those players. And I had tweeted something out, and somebody uh, responded um, that you know Nesson had gone to a, a commercial break, and they were asking, but you could see it from the ninth floor. You're talking six stories off the ice, and you could see Bergeron quite animated. And was he available after the game? He was. Was he? Did he say I, anything about it? I missed him. I had to 
I, I was in the middle of something, but yeah. I... <laughs> you, you were definitely in the middle of something. <laughs> I, I, I was in the middle of something not as quite as important as you, but um, so I wonder if... I'll, I'll have to go back and look at the transcript. I wonder if anybody asked Bergeron about that time. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was asked about it, and he said something to the effect of, um, I'd like to keep, keep that it between with... me and my, my teammates and everything. But I, we, we mock the... The uh, a lot of the intangible stuff as we become more learned with stats and metrics and all that stuff. But I mean, character is still such a huge part of it, and motivation is still such a huge part of it. Huge um, part of it. The it, guys that the guys that wear letters on the team, you have to. I mean, I I spent all week bugging Zidane Chara about a, at what point do you say like, guys, cut the cut the crud here. Like I I hold this team. To a standard, certainly Zeno Chara, by the way, side note, Zeno Chara, funniest thing of all this, at 39 years old, had a good season. So when we were wondering, like, what's the Chara window? When can they be competitive with this guy? If they'd built good teams around this guy, they probably still could have been a pretty good team with Zeno Chara. But but I, I bugged that guy all week to the point yesterday where he pretty much kind of told me to— I must break you. To, right, to, to F off. <laughs> like, at, at what point did the leaders on this team say— Look, we've got some sort of standard that we've set here. Yeah, we're not the team that's going to go to the Stanley Cup Finals every other year anymore, but God, show show something. And the Bruins don't have a lot too many vocal leaders. Uh, Chris Kelly is who's very animated on the ninth floor, by the way. Was he? Yes. You sit closer to him than I do. I didn't see him. Well, here's the thing about about this um, leadership kind of mentality that the Bruins have built over the last bunch of seasons here. It's what is said in the room stays in the room, okay? It goes back to, you know, to Sean Thornton, Johnny yeah. Boychuk. You know, Zdaron Chara certainly has that, like, whatever happens here. You know, David Krejci, even Patrice Bergeron. But you're right. In a situation like this right now, especially in a city like Boston, you want to have your leadership come out publicly so the media can get it, so the fans can get it, so the message gets across, not just within the room, but to the masses to say, you know what? There have been times this season where we've sucked, yeah. and we need to clean it up. And I guarantee you, because I've, I've covered all the different teams you know, in the city, I guarantee you that a guy like David Ortiz at a time like that would come out publicly and say, hey, we need to clean this up. I can guarantee a guy like Tom Brady or anybody else in in the Patriots locker room would would have a comment like that, and you look at you're waiting for the Bruins to have. They that. never showed any they sort of, and of they, how the hell did this they happen? Don't. Even and you know who who I I'm would sure have... they do it behind closed doors, which right. is fine. But one time, I want a Bruins player, a Bruins leader, to come out and say, you know what, this needs to happen. Right? Not like See, oh, it's the process, it's this. No, right. yeah, show See, I don't, something. I don't care if it comes out from behind closed doors. If it's during the season, like I don't care if it gets to the media, you, I don't care if, if it gets to the it fans. On the if ice. it works, yeah. fine. Yeah. But after after this season, after game eighty two, when it doesn't work, you have to say something, right? And you you see, Zdeno Chara was fired up post game yesterday. He yes. was absolutely fired up post game. But he was fired up with the questions that were asked. He wasn't right. fired up about. He was fired. No, he was fired no, up with a was, five foot nine like chubby not kid. Five foot nine. I don't know. Five foot ten. I don't know. If you're gonna get get pissed off, you get pissed off at the at the team, your teammates, not at the media. Right. So he was showing that emotion because he was upset with his team. But 
of course, he's going to direct it at the questions that were being asked or, you know, whatever. I If he wanted to speak his mind yesterday, I bet it would have been really good stuff. That would have been one heck of a conversation. But, but my point is, is that why after game 82, Pete, are we seeing that type of emotion, whether he's upset with the questions or not? Why not see that emotion prior prior to game 82? Why not have a leader? I mean, maybe that's just my DNA where I want somebody up screaming and yelling like, let's go. Maybe they were doing that in the room. We don't know. But at least show us something. And so they do, you, do you change something with the leadership of this team? I absolutely change the yeah. leadership with the team, whether it's – readjusting the number or the letters on the sweaters. Yeah. I have no problem. I, I don't think it'll happen, but I'd have no problem with that. They need a change in leadership for sure, whether it's bringing in guys or getting rid of guys. Uh, uh, I don't think that the leadership move starts with Claude Julian, which a lot of people will, <laughs> right. will say, uh, but I think they need stronger voices in the room. Yeah, you, I mean, who would you get rid of? Who would you get rid of? David Craigie, I think. I listen, by the way. I was going to do this a little test. I was going to like bounce certain names off certain guys uh, off you guys and ask like would you trade them? Would you do this? Would you do that? And the test was going to be if you said no to anybody but Patrice Bergeron, then you're wrong. you the Bruins yeah. have to listen on absolutely everything. I agree. But the question is that we've asked all season, if you're willing to do anything and everything, are you confident in the guys who are in charge yeah. and making these moves? No. If you're saying, "Okay, you know what?" I'd be willing to move Tuka Rask in the right situation. Yeah, sure, he entered the season with the greatest save percentage in the history of the NHL for a career. But you know what? There's there's debate as to whether or not a $7 million goaltender is a wise way to spend money in the NHL. I get that. So I'd be willing to listen on, on Tuka Rask if you want to do something crazy. Yesterday's but game the, had nothing to do with goaltending, though. But goal-tending. The, oh, well, I'm sure we'll get to Tuka Rask. Mm. Uh, but, but sorry. Yeah, but if you're going to make some sort of grand crazy move like shipping David Krejci out or shipping Tuka Rask out or even at this point trading Zdeno Chara, are you confident in Cam Neely and Don Sweeney to make those moves? Because I know that a year is too short of a time to say uh, this re- it, this regime has, has done a bad job. They're ineffective. They're, they're awful at doing their jobs. So far they are. So far they're certainly not doing a good job. But the question becomes, are they capable of making the moves to get them out of it? And you are an optimist if you say if your answer is yes. There are there are players, plural, there are players in that room that this week had said off the record or just in casual conversation, they think they're gone. Because they know that more changes are gonna come. Whether they reach the playoffs or they did not reach the playoffs. Changes were going to happen this offseason. And they know it. And players, players are thinking, okay, I'm going. Whether some certain veteran players are around because of Claude Julian, that you mentioned a guy like Zdeno Chara. Okay, obviously, he has a, a full no, no movement clause. Yeah. If Claude, if Also has when, his real estate license, bud. Yeah, he can work anywhere. Yeah. We know Massachusetts. Uh, yeah, I think that th- there's got to be. Uh, at least one major piece moved, shuffled around. I don't think that you can come into next year with the same core group. So the big major piece moved to shuffle around, as you said, Pete, that people discuss is Claude Julian. We're going to talk about why at least we think, and we're not being apologists, we're just disagreeing with your dumbass take, why we think that maybe getting rid of one of the good things about the team 
is a dumb idea. Your calls at 617-779-7937. It's Sunday Skate on WEEI. We all have to set responsibility here. Our goal was certainly to, to duplicate our effort that we had against Detroit. And, uh, you know, when you look at what's happened this afternoon, it's even more disappointing because uh, we could have controlled our own faith again and uh, we weren't able to do that. And at times this year, we weren't able to do that. Some of those big games, it's about, you know, the mistakes we kind of made. Uh, puck management at times were an issue for us. So uh, right now, all we can do is cross our fingers and almost hope for a miracle. That, that's all that's left for us. So it's totally out of our hands now. Toughy of a malapropism, but uh, yeah, that's Claude Julian on the Bruins. No, more importantly, that's you too. I know that. Well, that's so I that started. That is a great job I started there, to talk over it right after, like four seconds right after Matt said, All right, Claude coming up here. And he started playing the music. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to come in with you too. And Julian <laughs> Mack liked you too. 617 779 7937. We see your takes. And Mio, I swear, I won't even tell you how many calls we have right now because we always lie about how many calls we have but we actually have a lot of calls right now so Let's go. so it's a it's a good morning we're getting to the calls uh we got to start uh with uh with our leadoff hitter here maria from watertown as usual how are you maria good mood oh, oh no no not in a good mood what happened all. not not uh let's see Quinnipiac lost uh, the celtics lost let's see what else happened yesterday oh the boston bruins missed the freaking playoffs for the second year in a row Okay, and did we expect this season to end any differently than the way that it started? But it still doesn't help calm my rage at the players on this team. They have cost Claude Julian his job for a group of guys who claim that they were playing for their coach had a shit-ass way of showing it, okay? And if I'm Don Sweeney and you want to save your job, you go to every player in that locker room and you say to them, tell me what team I can deal you to, I'm done. Everybody on this team is available except for Patrice Bergeron. I want all new leadership. I want a whole new roster. I want a change of mindset because this cannot continue to happen. I, I, I just don't even know where to begin to dissect the lack of tenacity, the lack of balls, the Here, lack here's of the, Here's the issue, though, Maria. The, the, when Don Sweeney goes out and he, says, uh, and he uh, sees that there's a lack of tenacity, a lack of balls, he goes out and trades for Zach Ronaldo. So Fluto had a good tweet yesterday. It was that the danger of missing the playoffs in the fashion in which the Bruins were about to miss the playoffs is GMs will overreact to that and say – They'll they'll misconstrue basically uh, energy guys for leadership guys and then just go out and trade for bad players. That's what Don Sweeney did last summer. So uh, it, are you worried, Maria, that Don Sweeney would handle it the same way two years in a row? Yes, I am. I am because you know what? To me, he is following in the footsteps to some degree of his predecessor, and it makes me have agita, okay? So if we're going to rebuild, right, I want a full and total rebuild, a full, and that includes management on down through this roster. Honest to God, the only guy that I want to see come back on this roster next season is Patrice Bergeron because I, I, I am done. I can't, I can't watch this anymore. I, I can't, I, 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 I'm, I'm 
speechless, which which is is unheard of for Maria from Watertown. <laughs> Maria, Mar- Maria, how about this? Had they backed themselves into the playoffs, as you're watching that Flyers Penguins game last night, and if they lose that game, they lose tonight, and the Bruins backed themselves into the playoffs, would you feel the same way? Yes, I would. I would because uh, this has not because they would have gotten housed by the Capitals. <laughs> this was right. This was this was not a well built team from day one, guys. Look at how the season started. They they puked all over themselves to start the season. Absolutely. And then they finished the season by puking all over themselves. And speaking of literally, puka, yeah, puking. Tuka Rask had better have had his head over a toilet for the entire game to not be able to play in that game last night. That to me, that that says a lot about your lack of. Balls. You had better have been needing an IV to not be able to play in that game yesterday because that was that was just despicable. As there, far as I'm there was no way. <clears throat> excuse me. Thing I got with Tuka had. <clears throat> there was no way that Tuka could have played that game. Talked to a few different people after the game last night. Tried to find out was it an injury? Was he sick? Like what's going on? And I was told that there was absolutely no way he could have played that game. He was that bad. Okay. And he right. tried. And, yeah. and, he, and he was out there for warm And I'm and sure that well. if it he was... He let shots hit him for a little bit. <laughs> he did barely even move. But right. I'm sure that they had, if it was, you know, if he was sick, if it had nothing to do with an injury, he was hooked up to those IV bags. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, he asked Kretschy after the game, like the way I, I asked him was, you know, hockey players are known for, and, and this is to Maria's point, is that hockey players are known to play through injuries and play through flu bugs and everything else. And Kretschy quickly said, look... If Tuka could have played, he would have played. If he wasn't out there, there was something that he could not overcome. And from what I was told after the game, there was no way he And if anybody thinks that it's a lack of fear or a lack of motivation from Tuka, it's Tuka Rask. He's the one guy who (laughs) is clearly vocal about having a problem when there's a problem. Right. So if you think that that that's the guy who's going to, you know, lay down in the final game of the season, you're insane. Maria, it's yeah. a pleasure as always. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, by the way. I, I do not believe this is the last uh, episode of the season. So uh, we'll talk to you next week, Maria. Thank you. All right. Cool, guys. Bye. All right. Um, yeah, quickly on Tuca. Um, I was talking to Matt Loper before the show. You hear about a lot of those things, and you're like, take an Imodium, dude. Like, that 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 solves everything. It doesn't solve the, the – when it's coming out, out of both ends, ends thing, it does – Like we, I and Matt made the point of people are going to say – yeah, but he's a professional athlete, and you should be a gamer, and you you get paid seven million dollars a year to do things like this. Um, I actually do do get paid seven million dollars a year, so this is a bad <laughs> example. But I was going to say, there's no amount you could pay me to either cuck on my pants or vomit in front of thousands and thousands of people. Like, well, if, the other eighteen guys cuck on their pants, <laughs> right? Exactly, cuck everywhere. All right, uh, Fred, what's up, baby? DJ, Joe, Pete, morning. Morning, Good morning, Fred. You guys might have saved my life today. Standing on the curb ready to jump, and I remember, remember the show. <laughs> but, hey, you know, and thank you for having the show on, even if it's at this ungodly hour on a Sunday. I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> We're always up this early. Yeah, on a Sunday? Yeah. I don't we, know about you. We haven't been to bed yet, Fred. I, I you do know about me. You call my radio show every <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> Like back in the days when I was a kid going to hockey. Anyways, right? Um, uh, Should have known after the, the way the New Year started that this team was going to end up being like they were. I you know, but when you 
wear black and gold glasses and bleed bleed black and gold. It, uh, sometimes it's hard for you to recognize certain things. But uh, start off with Marshawn. I mean, what's his plus he had, minus? He had a, he had a great year, a great year. But where was he when you needed him? You we went through this like last week or two right. weeks ago, didn't we, Fred? Right. But, they but, need secondary scoring right. as well. Right, right. Well, what 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 changed from last week to this week? When you, uh, they still didn't get secondary scoring, <laughs> right? They didn't get any scoring. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, well, how many goals Marshawn have? He had that goal in the in the um, the game before, right? He had that one goal. Yeah. And, but this is this is the crunch time. This is where you pay guys seven million dollars. You're still. Planning on him making seven million dollars. You pay a roster full of players to score more goals than you allow, and when your thirty-seven goal scorer can't make a big enough difference in a six-to-one loss, I think you're blaming the wrong people. I think you're blaming. I think you should be blaming the people who gave up the six goals. That was mostly the defense. Adam McQuaid. How about Adam McQuaid delivering poorly... a tape to tape pass yeah. after staring a defender down <laughs> right. in the defensive zone? And I mean, God, if we're going to get on Joe Morrow for doing stuff like that, you got to get on the the two point seven five million dollar man or whatever he's making for, for doing. It was that. quite what possibly a... the worst play I've seen this season. Right, and I watched Kevin Miller all year. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love Masha, but you can tell when he's going, okay? It's one nothing. What if he makes it two two nothing? You think that's a different game? You think it's a yes. different game last night? Hey, it you was, know who didn't make that? it two nothing yesterday? You know who didn't make it two nothing yesterday early in the second period? Who's that? That's Patrice Bergeron. Get on number thirty seven. Well, I is number thirty seven gonna ask for seven million dollars? He is makes six point eight seven five million dollars a year, so he anyway, can't ask for my it. Shot, my uh, Patrice takes away a lot more goals than, than he scores. Are you suggesting that so Brad Marchand is one of the best two-way players in the NHL? He, he is, but we the, the third last part of the season, where was he? Did you how many how many goals when when did he get to the 34, 35 mark? It was a, it was about the uh, beginning of March, wasn't it? And he didn't show up after that. That's what I'm talking about. Anyways, there's a lot of other problems in this. Fred, Fred, I love you, but you're you're being like Felger right now. You're doing the he didn't no, score a goal, so he had a, a bad game argument. That. Don't call me that four-letter word, please. Don't do that. Anyways, um, let's just talk about Claude. Pulling All right. The, pulling the goalie with 10 minutes to go. Oh, I mean, I said he balls. Watched, I watched the game. Against what a rock star. We were, we were that guy's now. awesome. What? How, how many times... How many times did the Bruins practice six on four on a power play? How many times did they practice that in, ever? Usually, they do. They yeah, they they do it sometimes. Quite often, actually. I mean, that's that's basically oh, okay. how they no. they beat the Maple Leafs a few years back. Right. They didn't pull a goalie. <laughs> well, they didn't have to pull a goalie in that situation. In right, this situation, right. in this situation, so Fred, in this situation, Claude had to find something to spark this team. That's oh, called yeah. okay. And All right, spark the team. Put in the backup goalie. Okay, don't pull a goalie. Put in the backup goalie. With, with the backup down, goalie was playing. The backup goalie was the starting goaltender. No, 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 no. I'm you can't put Jeremy Smith in that situation. They, you know what? I swear to God, by the way, I thought when they recalled Jeremy Smith on an emergency basis, I thought it was about Gustafsson. I thought, I thought so it was because saying. they were like, crunch time, this is a savvy move. They're thinking, worse comes to worse, you can't have Jonas Gustafsson in this game because, again, th- the numbers were okay for Gustafsson. Uh, if you listen to this show ever... I am not a Gustafson guy. I do not like watching that guy play hockey. Um, I thought that's why they uh, they called him uh, up, or they called Jeremy Smith up. And thanks for the call, Fred. Um, I thought that they looked at the the golding situation was like 
push comes to shove, we can't have this guy in that in key spot. Uh, the calls are continuing to come in. Uh, let's get to uh, Bill in the car. Bill, how are you? Pretty good, Bill. On your side? What's up, Bill? I'm just coming home from work. Nice. Uh, question. Should we blow it up? Uh, P- Patrice Bergeron, uh, thanks, Bill. Uh, Patrice Bergeron is going to be 32 at the start of not next season, but the next season. So the 2017-18 season. So if you're looking at any sort of lengthy or even using next season as a full bridge year, rebuild year, whatever, then by the time you get out of it, now it goes from being the Chara window to the Bergeron window, if we haven't already entered that. Uh, ESPN.com colleague Pierre Lebrun. Who's that? Um, who's that? <laughs> Pierre Lebrun is saying that the Ottawa Senators are holding a press conference at 11 a.m. this morning. It's oh. firing season, baby. To, to make a significant hockey announcement. It's firing season. Interesting. Lo- so my guess maybe could be coach fired. Brian Murray announces he's stepping back, stepping away. So well, I was wondering. I made the joke uh, yesterday. So the Ottawa Senators are having a press. I made the joke yesterday to somebody. You're crazy if you think that before that game yesterday, Brian Murray didn't walk in and say, "All right, players only. I I, I got to just convey something quickly to the to the players. Win today, and you get to have a good coach. <laughs> like, He's gonna fly home with us. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Win today, and and I'll tell you. Guys from Montreal, guys from um, the the Ottawa media were were texting and messaging me yesterday saying, like, so if they lose this game, do you think that, that Claude goes? Because they're looking at their coaching situations, and there's definitely fluidity in those cities. You don't think that Montreal and or Ottawa would love to have Claude Julien? I did a uh, – what did I do? I did a poll – no, I uh, I wrote a column – about just how I wouldn't fire Claude Julien if I were the Bruins. And uh, it was, thank you. And uh, it got some mixed reviews. Uh, I, I've I've cultivated something of a quote-unquote smart Bruins Twitter following, which is like, good. I, I don't get as many as of the, the, the idiots who can't spell anymore, which is good. And they mostly agreed with the, the column, and they said, yeah, I think it would be dumb to, to fire Claude. And... All the responses that were like they must fire Claude, they all you know how it says the location on the on the bottom. They were all like from from Ottawa or from Montreal <laughs> because they were just all Habs fans. We'll take them right. Uh, uh, let's squeeze in one more call before we, uh, we take another break. Uh, speaking of Montreal, Danny, good morning. Hi guys, how are you? Good Hi. Danny. I'm uh, Danny from Montreal. I'm Bruins fan here. I want to talk about Claude Julien to say, I don't think we should fire a coach that's going to be unemployed for about five minutes if we fire him. That's a pretty good sign that you fired the wrong guy. Right, (laughs) yeah, exactly. You know, so when I look at this defense court, like, you know, we all knew it going into the season that this defense court was going to struggle. You bet your bippy. You know, and so when you talk about Tuka Rask staying Skype, you know, you need to play, I played hockey all my life, you need to have a decent defense court to be able to play well. Any goaler will struggle on this team. And if we would have had a worse goalie, we would have been in the Austin Matthews sweepstakes. So guys need to kind of relax and say, well, I think that we have a good core of players. We just need to get 
one or two impact defensemen. They don't have to be amazing defensemen. They just need to be a, a number three or a number two defenseman. Guys like Krug, I would like to resign Krug. Seidenberg, we can get rid of him. Chara is still a good defenseman. He's not great anymore, but are there, when people say that he's not a number one defenseman, are there 30 NHL defensemen right. better than Zadino Chara? Are you joking? Danny, I love you. Everything that you've a said so far makes percent. sense. Like, like, nothing but good takes from Danny in Montreal. So, so thank you for that. Yeah, Chara this season, I, I want to hit on so many of the things he said, but Chara this right season on. went from being one of the best defensemen um, in recent seasons, you'd say as as recently as what three, four years ago, he was maybe the best defenseman in the NHL, and now he's one of the top twenty to twenty-five defensemen in the NHL, which isn't as good as the best defenseman in the NHL. So yes, he's worse than he used to be. But if you want to talk about guys who were not the problem with this team, Claude Julian, Tuukka Rask, Zdeno Chara. None of those guys were the problem. Again, I made in, in the the point in the last segment. Chara, actually, we kind of got the answer to the question of could they have still been competitive with a 38-year-old, a 39-year-old Chara if Chara took on the minutes that he had this season or less. I mean, his minutes went up almost by a full minute, I want to say, at least half a minute from last season to this season. And he generally handled other teams' top competition well. He made Kevin Miller better. Um, He's somehow become a scapegoat for this in the the shortcomings of this entire defense, which right. makes no sense because he's literally the only top four defenseman that they have on the roster. Right. And he has played pretty well. It's like blaming... You're pointing your finger at the wrong guy, which is a, a very common thing around it's here. Like, it's like going to see a band and the, the the band is sloppy. They're all over the place. And you're like, you know, the, the singer has a really good voice, but, the, but the, they're, they're just a bad band. It'd be like talking to someone about that band and then being like, how awful is that band? I hate that singer. I want to kill that singer and I want him out of here because he said, because, because the whole operation is bad. I think the majority of Bruins fans have probably felt the same way about Zidane Chara since day one is who, who is this guy? Why is this guy on a team? Why is he wearing the C? Okay. Then in 2011, the way that he played, they win the cup fans were like, they're like, right. okay, that's okay, pretty yeah, good. It's good. But then, since he blew out his knee, came back, hasn't been you right. Know, what hasn't been right, hasn't yep. been what. Now they're like, he's too old. He's lost a step. Of course, he's lost a step. Right. He's is he too old? No, he's not too old. Is he getting older? Yes. Is his window closing? Yes. It Maybe is. get him some help. Right. Because he's supposed but to build be, around that, and they haven't be... been able to develop those players that they thought they were going to be able to develop at in Providence. And it just hasn't happened. I remember talking to him after the 2013-14 season. Um, it was on breakup day. And I brought up the possibility of, you know, would you be okay with, in a few years, towards the end of your contract, either in the the six, the, the last year of 6.9, which is next season, um, or the, the $4 million year, which is the final year of his contract, I said, would, would you be okay if you're used – as like a second pairing shutdown guy. If the Bruins went out and tried to do what Chicago did, which is make a top pairing that is um, a little bit more offensive and they use their second pairing as a shutdown D. So I was thinking like, so if in a few years they're using Dougie and somebody else to play the most minutes and you're just there on that second pairing to, 
to be a shutdown guy. And he was like, absolutely. I think that if, if I if that's where I end up and, and we have a good defense as a result of that, totally. And I assumed that's what they were going to try to do. And He probably assumed that's right. what they were going to try and to do. That's why maybe I keep prodding to get him to kind of blow his lid on the – on how frustrated he must be with uh, the the rest of this roster right now, how, but how good would this team be? Would have been defensively this season and moving forward if Sweeney was able to pull off on draft day to get Hannafin. Yeah, if they could have gotten any of those guys, especially Hannafin, who was NHL ready and uh, certainly did well enough against the Bees this year. Okay, uh, Brian, Jimmy, uh, Sarah, we see you guys all lined up there. We're going to get to you next uh, at Sunday Skate. unacceptable the way that we showed up and uh, can't win games if you if you do that so we got it coming I guess for uh, by not you know uh, showing up and <clears throat> we did score the first goal and we, we should have kept going at him and, uh, and we didn't we let him get back in the game Venom we're taking your Venom on Sunday skate uh, calls continue uh, it's DJ Bean with Pete Blackburn Joe McDonald Matt Loper uh, Brian in Dunstable, thanks for waiting. Brian. Good morning. I had a comment on the rebuild and a question about who might replace Claude if he does get fired. Okay, let's see. Let's get that comment. I'm a season ticket holder. There's a bunch of us that sit together and have for many, many years. We went to almost every playoff game from 2010 to 2014 together. None of us was interested in going to the playoffs if they made it. This team was unwatchable. It seems like they built this team just to make the playoffs. And to us, that doesn't make any sense. I think that if they brought up the younger forwards, played them, and put the money from, say, Louis Erickson and Chris Kelly into some defensers, I think you'd have a much better chance of getting better sooner. And I think the season ticket holders would be on board with it. Yeah. I, well, I, I look, Brian, and thanks for the... Uh, no, we'll actually get to your clothes thing after. Sorry. Um, I look at the way they handled the Zach Ronaldo-Lee Stempniak thing. And yeah, you could say, oh, Zach Ronaldo, third-round pick for him, that's an overpayment. But whatever, it's just a third-round pick, which if you remember on that conference call, Joe, uh, I I asked Sweeney, like, why'd you trade a third-round pick for Zach Ronaldo? And his answer was, well, it's a third-round pick in 2017. Like, which was to say, like, it's not that big a deal, which I understand a third-round pick isn't a total game-changer, but then you don't want to just be giving those away right. for free. <laughs> but then you compound it with the you could have had Lee Stempniak, and then you circle back. And to, again, I know I'm Pete. You think it's dumb of me to applaud Sweeney for this, but I at least gave him credit for recognizing his mistake and burying Ronaldo, and then going out and getting Stempniak. But that process cost you a second, third, and fourth round pick, <laughs> and you those while those aren't major major pieces together. You don't think that a second, third, and fourth round pick could have gotten you like a an okay number three defenseman? Which God, if you had one of those all season, you, you did, did you have a number three defenseman ever this season? Was it just Zeno like Chara and then fours. a million f- number four defensemen and then a couple number six defensemen? So yeah, I yes uh, to that point, Brian. Uh, better asset management, and you would have had a better defense. Agreed. Now, I think we also agree it would be a mistake to flyer Claude, but they might just do it anyway. And my question is, do you think they would look into the college ranks 
for a coach. And I do. I wrote that today, as a matter really? of fact. Really? You've been writing that all year, bud, from, from Joe McDonald? <laughs> it, it, this started out as a joke at the game yesterday, but it kind of took on a life of its own. Look at Ted Donato. All right, he, you know, we know Cam loves those old Bruins. Right. So here, here's what I'll say about that. When you say, um, when you say college guys, I think Lehman, uh, Lehman, absolutely, Enrico Blasi. I, I think a guys like uh, Blasi of the college guys, I'd lean towards him. He's a smart cat. Um, here's my issue with the idea of Ted Donato, and I, I thank you for the call, Brian. Um, Ted Donato's not on other NHL radars. Exactly. And the Bruins, as he mentioned, as Brian mentioned, Cam loves him some former Bruins. Cool. Relax. Stop doing that. You can't just hire all your friends. Uh, Ted Donato's not on other teams' NHL radars. So I would be very concerned if they were to do that again because when you look at how they handled the first round of the draft, when they ended up keeping all three of those picks, they took... Two of three guys who nobody else would have taken with those picks, and they went off the reservation. They and went there off the radar. There are a couple of them that have looked pretty good so far. So here, right? So here's the thing. So far, and again, these guys haven't developed, and we don't know what they're going to no, be. I'm saying the guys that they didn't take. Right. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. So far, uh, we don't know what Seneshin and DeBrusque are going to be, but we do know that after a year, they've picked the wrong guys. So far, it looks like they should have picked Kyle Connor. They should not have passed on Kyle Connor. Uh, Jimmy Vesey won the Hobie Baker. Scott McLaughlin, who knows more about college hockey than anyone I've ever met in my life, said it was outrageous that Jimmy Vesey won the, the Hobie Baker. He said Vesey had a great season. Uh, maybe he'll make a great Bruin. But he said Kyle Connor was the best college hockey player this season. I think I saw uh, Chris Peters, who's a good college hockey guy, tweeted that Kyle Connor had, went pointless in three games this year. That's insane. So again, we don't know that we don't know how these guys are going to develop, and for all we know, those were the right guys they picked. But so far, the Bruins regime, when they've gone off the reservation and done things differently from what everybody else would do, it's not been good. And but here's the I'm, difference when it comes to coaching. Okay, if they decide, and I agree that maybe they should take that outside the box mentality and look at a college coach, the league is getting younger. We've seen that. Mm-hmm. Salary cap era, league's getting younger. So you give the Flyers a lot of credit and Ron oh, Hextall yeah. for what it. they did last offseason by bringing in Dave Hextall, yep. you know, and the Flyers are in the playoffs. So if you have a young coach who can deal with young players, I'm not saying veteran coaches like Claude can't, but I'm saying you bring in a younger guy who knows how to deal with younger players and get the most out of them, and then you build around that, that could be the new trend going throughout the league, and we're seeing that happening. And I would not be surprised if Cam Neely and Don Sweeney, and as you've written, as I did, it's why not? Why not give it, give it a bid? And a guy like Lehman, he's absolutely a, a possibility. I know they like him. And, and if they, they do fire Claude, the, the current coaching pool – don't do NHL a retread. Cold, yeah, of NHL coaches, they stink. Right, they're not yeah. good. They're right. out of the league for a reason. Right, and if you're gonna, if you, Be if you're creative. gonna fire Claude, they, what they have to hope to do is they gotta, they gotta hope to find like the next Brad. Uh, Brad Stevens, Stevens like fi- who's right. the Brad Stevens of hockey? The issue exactly. with me is when you ask who's the Brad Stevens of hockey, my guess would be Dave Haxtall. 
Uh, we'll continue to take your calls. Uh, Tony, Jimmy, we, uh, we promise we will get to you next. It's Sunday Skate on WEI.